Maybe you're new to Only Believe, or you've just been here a while observing, but you're not involved. You know you're a part of a bigger picture, but you don't know exactly what that looks like. I'm Pastor Nicole. I'm asking you to become a member here at Only Believe. Spend a Saturday morning with me, the first Saturday of the month, and let me share with you this wonderful prayer that we pray for your life. I wanna discuss it with you. You know, it's important that we know who God is, and then when we know who he is, our soul and our hearts begin to change. And we find freedom from things that often have been a vice in our life or chains that the devil meant to hold us bound. And then I'm gonna help you discover your purpose. We're gonna go through a class together and learn what you were designed to do. And then we're gonna do that and make a difference in the kingdom. See, everyone has a part to play in the body of Christ. I want you to find yours. Join me Saturday for next steps. You will definitely see what's next for you. Boxes. They're so excited. Those faces just transform. Yeah, these kids behind me are so excited because they've just received their boxes. The mouth is wide open, the voice is raised, smiles are all over. That box brings joy. We're right now in Phnom Penh in Cambodia. I mean, it's just been incredible. Kids are so excited. Giving them a gift, do it in Jesus' name. And that's what this is all about. Jesus loves you. It's a gospel opportunity. It's the chance for the children to change the entire life. That's what I love about Operation Christmas Child. It knows no borders and knows no boundaries. It's all about sharing the name of Jesus Christ. Churches are doing big things with Operation Christmas Child. Everybody out there who packs shoe boxes, they are spreading God's love. It's families, it's churches, it's hundreds of thousands of volunteers that help make Operation Christmas Child so successful. We couldn't do it without them. With this box, they do get the gospel story. They do hear about Jesus. It has maximum impact in the worldwide kingdom of Christ. I mean, what better thing could you do than be involved in field shoe boxes? Some of them go by train, some go by camels, some go by ships. These boxes go all over the world, and that is only the beginning. After receiving the shoe boxes, the children will be invited to go to the greatest journey, which is a 12-lesson discipleship program where they learn about the greatest gift, which is Jesus Christ. After a child completes the greatest journey, they graduate and receive a Bible in their own language. When the light of the gospel is turned on, that changes everything. Churches are being planted, lives are being changed, communities are being transformed. The word of God is spreading. The gospel is advancing. It is impacting children, it is impacting families, it is impacting the world greatly. 
thank you for praying. Thank you for giving. I would like to ask you to consider packing shoeboxes year-round. God will bless and God will use your gift to touch the life of a child and to be able to do it in Jesus' name. So thank you. Thank you for being a part of it. God bless each and every one. Welcome, Only Believe family. How are you tonight? Woo! It's Wednesday night. It's our midweek service. And I want to take the time to welcome all of our visitors that are here tonight. And thank you for watching whatever you're watching tonight, whether it be Facebook Live, whether it be on Twitter or YouTube. We welcome you as a part of our family of faith tonight. And we're glad you've tuned in tonight to listen. Also, we want to remind you that if you are a guest in-house, there's a guest card in the back of the pew in front of you. Just grab that, fill it out if you want to know information about our church. For those of you that are church members, any information about any event at the church and when it's happening, if it's not on a commercial, we want you to visit the Welcome Center in the lobby. All of your information will be out there. You can sign up for new things, get information about stuff that's happening. And also, I want to remind you that this Sunday, October the 18th, will be our final week of the series called Real Life real change. We're going to be talking on overcoming hopelessness. So I want to encourage you, you have a little card out at the lobby today, tonight at the Welcome Center. There's a ton of these cards. Please take one and invite somebody for this Sunday as we final up that series for what we're doing. Um, and again, we just want to remind you we're creating an invite culture here at Only Believe. The gospel's not just for you and I. It's for the world. But if we don't take it, they don't know. Amen? So take a card. Real life, real change. Sunday, we're going to finish our series. Stand at your feet. We're going to worship the Lord tonight, and we're going to do it as a family of faith together.
church, let's lift this up. Yes, I will lift you high in the lowest valley. Yes, I will bless your day. Oh, yes, I will sing for joy when my heart is heavy for all my days. Oh, yes, I
message and the worship tonight to say, yes, I will to the Lord. Amen. And uh, we're going to take just a few minutes to do the offering tonight. And I want you to know that really that's what the Lord is looking for when it turns to our giving. You know, I want you to know that in Matthew 23, 23, the Lord was rebuking the Pharisees and scribes because he was calling them hypocrites. Now, in that case, they were tithing, but he said, but you're missing the weightier parts of the law, such as judgment, mercy, and faith. He said, you should have done the tithing, but don't leave the other undone. And we know that in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, the Lord says, what you purpose in your heart, amen? So yes, I will. What the Lord is wanting us to do is understand that when we get the opportunity to sow, that's why the Bible says that if we sow sparingly, we will reap sparingly. But if we sow bountifully, we will reap bountifully. Why? Because the more room you give to God in the arena of faith, the more he can do on your behalf. Amen. And when it comes to these things, that's why he says, prove me. I want you to trust me. I want you to try the way I'm asking you to do it and see what I will do. I remember that when I first started coming to church, Regina and I here at Only Believe, we were broke, busted, and disgusted. Amen. When you live amongst the poor and they spell broke for you with capital letters, you know you're in trouble. Amen. But I will tell you that when we first stepped into giving, we probably gave sparingly. But I will tell you today that without fail, tithing and giving comes to us as just a part of our journey of faith. It's purposeful. And we want to give not grudgingly, but purposefully. And I'm just asking you tonight that whether you're just beginning this journey or you've been on this journey a long time, God, I know if you've been on the journey, has been faithful. And if you are just beginning, God will be faithful. So let's make sure we're doing our best to transition from being sparing. And that means that we don't really trust or believe to where our spirit is willing and hopeful and we are bountiful, not just in our release, but our expectation of what God can do on our behalf. Amen? Praise the name of the Lord. So I'm just going to pray over the offering. And uh, if you've got a tithing or offering envelope or if you need one, or if you're giving online now, or this text to giving, wow, they do all this kind of stuff. Or if you're writing a check or releasing money tonight, I just know that God is going to touch what you give him. Amen? And he's going to be faithful to you. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we just pray over this offering tonight and this tithe tonight, God. That, Father, we would work with you out of our relationship, God. That we would trust you and purpose in our heart, God. And that, Father, we would do things in a cheerful way, knowing that you are working on our behalf, God. That you are rebuking the devourer and you are increasing anything that we give towards you, Father. Lord, we just thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.
Hallelujah. Praise God. Well, we're going to dismiss for the uh, small groups right now. So if you're headed for a small group, please find that room where they've got them located and uh, get informed and get involved on that. And uh, tonight, where's Eric? Come up here, Eric. <laughs> Hallelujah. <clears throat> Eric, why don't you tell us what is going on with uh, the uh, crusade that we're doing uh, Zoom, around the boom. world? Yep. All right, yeah. Uh, well, in the last, last uh, let me see, 10 days, pastors preached on four different worldwide platforms, uh, one reaching 182 nations in the world. Uh, and, that, and that one service he preached, uh, and we had over 30,000 people respond in prayer requests alone. Thousands got saved. Multiple <laughs> hundreds of miracle testimonies came in. There were thousands, but they can only show us so many. So we're encouraged that although the devil, you know, has put COVID on the world, I don't believe it's anything but the devil, and, and we're not able to travel like we typically are used to, we're still, God's giving us ideas and ways to get the gospel out. So that was one television broadcast pastor did. Uh, Tuesday of this week, he preached on a network called Precious Television. It reaches 17 African nations. Tens of millions got a chance to watch pastor primetime, 8 p.m. in Africa, uh, for about uh, almost 90 minutes, and pastor preached. Uh, we had uh, multiplied thousands of people receive Christ, uh, people sending us testimonies from all over the world. Um, it was a powerful service. The, uh, the, the president of the network contacted me personally, actually with pastors on the air, and just wanted me to thank, he, he told me to thank pastor because of his availability to do it. But the impact has been immense. And then this coming Friday, Pastor's going to be on a network reaching 100 million connected households around the world. 50 million homes in Africa, 30 million homes in Europe, and 35 million homes here in America. So, and then, let me see, backing up just a few days ago, Pastor also preached to the nation of Uganda. Uh, over 40 million connected homes watched Pastor preach. Uh, again, tens of thousands of decisions for Christ. Tens of thousands. So, in this short window of time, amen. We have seen well over 100,000 decisions for Christ in the last 10 days, and we are believing, obviously, and, th and this, is, this is only people that are responding to us. You know, Jesus healed 10 lepers, and one came back to give God praise, so there's kind of a model for that. But we're getting testimonies from over 100,000 people who have received Christ in the last 10 days just by what we've been able to do around the world. We just give God praise for that. We thank everyone in this church because, again, every soul that yep. comes to Christ is added to your yep. account. That's and right. we have one more coming up, and now we have another opportunity that I think I shared with Pastor uh, yesterday. But uh, Pastor will be speaking uh, Espanol, uh, that's Spanish for those that don't know Spanish. Uh, he'll be speaking on a network called JBN. It reaches 2,500 cable systems in Central and South America. This network reaches 100 million people every single week. Pastor will be on that in a few weeks as well. And uh, just got off the phone with the Philippines. There's a network there. Pastor will be on that network as well, reaching multiplied millions. So, uh, again, we're able now, in the last few weeks, we'll, we have touched more people probably by 50 times if we physically went to every crusade, Pastor, that we plan to do in 2020. So, uh, we're seeing God multiply these opportunities. These doors are opening up, and there's more coming. So, we're just very excited. And think about all those people, literally tens of millions yeah. of people in the last 10 years. 
10 days have been touched by the power of Christ. They've seen miracles, yep. salvations, tumors disappearing on their bodies, people Last stretching night, their hands towards yeah. the television Getting set, and, yes. and, and God just removing sicknesses and illnesses. Last night, the, the uh, overseer of the television station said, people are calling in saying, can we do this every night? Literally. I said, no. Literally. In <laughs> fact, that network that you preached on Tuesday night, Pastor, are still have the, the phones have still been locked down today. <clears throat> Uh, from the people sharing testimonies and just people calling in and thanking yeah, the network yeah. for airing the broadcast. Uh, great things. Muslims multiplied thousands of Muslims. Yeah, we, uh, we received had Christ that testimony the first time. That, where that man said, uh, I was a uh, Muslim, Muslim, Muslim prophet. prophet. Yeah. And he said, uh, when he prayed the prayer of, uh, of repentance, he said, I gave my life to Jesus Christ. Amen. And I now believe in Amen. God. Amen. And think about yeah. this one last thing. Uh, pastor uh, last week preached to a remote village in Pakistan. Now think about this. Just kind of picture your mind. There were people there that they make less than a dollar a day. Uh, they advertised there was going to be a, a, an American speaker ministering or speaking, not ministering at this place. So hundreds of people came out. You could see the women, of course, wearing their, their headdresses and stuff. <clears throat> and in that meeting, over a hundred people received Christ as their Savior, yeah. many of which had never heard the <coughs> word of Jesus before. So through the technology, we have an interpreter on the other side of the world preaching what pastor's sharing, miracles happening, yeah. and then literally 100-plus people are coming to Christ. In some cases, that some of the means I'm working right now, Pastor, I think thousands will be there. So what we're doing is we're putting Bibles in their hands. Yeah. And a few of you have asked us, you know, if, if you feel allowed to do this, we spend a, two, three hundred hours to, to buy Bibles in each one of these meetings so we can put it in the people's hands and come to Christ. As soon as they come to Christ, pastors put it there. So... I know several of you have come to me to ask those questions, but um, think about the impact. I mean, we're making church history here right now. Where Pastor yeah. and I couldn't physically go, we have someone going on our behalf. There's a huge sound system there. There's pastors there in the ground. There is a, a big projector, and Pastor is yeah. five times bigger yeah, than he bigger. is actually the projector yeah, than he is right. in person. And, uh, and they're receiving Christ, so it's fantastic. Yeah. God's doing great things. That is a good deal. So praise God. We thank all of you, and of course, we thank God, hallelujah, for giving us favor and... Uh, giving us a place of honor to speak to those people. So tonight we're going to talk about giving and receiving. Uh, I know that uh, Brother Joe Turner preached to you last night about, uh, last Wednesday night about uh, being able to sow and to give other things and to reap a harvest out of that. But we're going to start tonight out of Isaiah 55, 8 through 13. We have all heard for years, you know, sometimes people get too heavenly minded to be any earthly good which I don't think is ever the case. I think the case is that people get so earthly-minded that they just are not a light of what heaven is. And so I think it's a reversed uh, statement. We're going to start in verse 6, and we're going to read on down through 11. And it says, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts, talking about God speaking to us, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, my thoughts than your thoughts. 
For as the rain cometh down from cometh down, and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, maketh it bring forth bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and, I, and it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it. Here we have a declaration that God realizes that all of man's thinking, his ways are totally opposite of what God wants for man. Realize that the word of God is infused and impermetrated and it's two things. It is filled with his spirit and it is filled with life. And so that is found in John 6:63. So realize that the word of God is spiritually originated and it is for the spirit of man or the man that wants to walk in the realm of God in the realm of the supernatural, the realm of the righteous. Now, not men do not have to do it, but that's what God desires for him to do. And in that walking in the spirit, the Bible tells us not just to be in the spirit, Galatians 5:19, but that we should walk in the spirit. So it's not just being a part of a spiritual kingdom, but it's being active in the spiritual kingdom. And here... Uh, Paul, God tells us that he sends his word to deliver us from our own thoughts and our own ways. Remember, that is the essence of what God does when he speaks to man. Once, twice in the day, he doesn't hear, but then God comes and speaks to him in a dream to deliver him from his own initiated or conjured up or thought or planned out ways of doing something. Though it looks like it may be God, we want to make sure that it is God. Amen? All right, so let's go to Romans, the 8th chapter. Romans, the 8th chapter. So let's realize that there is a way that seems right unto man, but the end thereof is death. But we can judge our ways and make sure that they are the ways of God. This is how God thinks. This is the intent or the purpose of God's reasoning or words to mankind. So God wants us to live above the flesh, wants to live above the earth, the place of limitation, the place where the curse reigns and resides, the place where Satan has been loose. God wants us to live above that. And he wants us to experience life and it more abundantly. And when we think like ordinary men, it paralyzes the movement of God. When we think like men that are still bound by the earth or bound to the earth, when we don't think of ourselves as supernatural beings, when we think of ourselves, well, we're just natural people, when we get that type of thinking, what we do is we do in fact, imprison God's desire or ability to move on our behalf. The saying has been made, let God or let go and let God. And I do think that it is time for us as Christians, as it was with Paul, to commit ourselves to the way of God 
and God will bring us to the port that he has for our life. And in Romans, the 8th chapter and verse 4, and that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. So there is a flesh walk, and there is a spirit walk. And it says, for they that are after the flesh do mind or are dominated, ruled by the things of the flesh. But they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded or to be fleshly minded, to always be dealing with the natural world, the natural reasoning, is death. Somebody say death. That simply means void of life. But to be spiritually minded, to be aware of God, our station, our position, and our stand with him, as well as his towards us, to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the laws of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. So you and I belong to a spiritual kingdom. And this spiritual kingdom is governed by spiritual laws. Remember, the carnal man is not subject to the law of God. But there is the law of God, therefore it must be totally opposite than the law of man. Because a man that lives by the laws of the flesh or thinks carnally is always earthly-minded, always limited-minded, always what he can do-minded, always thinking how men that have fallen have lived and always re reverse back to that portion, those are carnally-minded men. And that causes the laws of God to be beyond our apprehension. It's not that they don't exist. It's just that when you're thinking like a man that is not in covenant with God, then you are excluded from living by the laws of God. It's not that the laws aren't yours. It's that you are incapable of comprehending laws that defy the laws of this earth. Amen. All right. That might seem heavy, but it, it's not. So I want to talk to you tonight about giving and receiving. Not just giving, but giving and receiving. Uh, number one, giving and receiving is a spiritual law that increases what we have and is connected to eternal life. Think of that. Your giving has to do with increase of what you have, no matter how much you have, and is connected to your eternal life. Let's go to Mark, the 10th chapter. Because when we start talking about sowing, giving and receiving, the first thing that people start talking about 
is that, oh, you're just trying to make God do something. Well, if I could make God do something, I'd be God. Well, I can't make God do anything. But I can allow God to do something. I can work with God and not oppose him, and God will work with me. But I cannot make the Almighty God do anything. For anybody to think that you could take the word out of content and it work is simply not of their right mind. I mean, how could you take something and make it totally opposite of what God wanted and then be successful in doing so? Wouldn't that make you superior to him that spoke the word? Well, certainly. If you could make this word do what you wanted it to do, then you would be greater than its author. You cannot distort or revamp what the Word of God says and will do. Now, you can work with the Word and experience what it desires to do and what God said it would do, but you cannot make it beside or separated from God's will for you to do it. You can't do it. You can't manipulate God. I've heard people say, you're just trying to manipulate. How in the world do you manipulate God? I mean, we get manipulated by our children, but, you know, we, we and they are the gods of our house. They rule us. And, uh, but, you know, we do not have the ability to make God do anything that is against his will. Amen? All right. So when we get into this, people say, well, that's just greed. That's just this. Or that's just that. I don't know what greed is in our eyes. Now, I know that it's greed if you want something that is not somebody else's. But if you want something that God has given to you, what level does it become greed? If I come to give you life and to give it to you more abundantly, what level is greed in desiring life? I want you to be, have the fullness of joy, live beyond the spirit of fear, not be depressed. I want you to be happy. I want you to be fulfilled. Which one of those then is capped off by what is greed for more joy? Well, there is none. And so the man or the woman of God that seeks to do what God wants them, what God wants for their life, they really will not be governed by greed. Amen. And if you think that you can use faith to fulfill greed, then you have totally missed the safeguards of God's purpose and his law. You cannot be greedy and apprehend something that belongs to God. Hello. You remember when Peter told Simeon, you know what, I perceive that you are in the gall of bitterness because you want the gifts of the Spirit and thought they could be bought by money. Well, why couldn't Simon do it? Why couldn't Simeon do it? He was a warlock. He had money. Why couldn't he do it? Because there are laws that forbid such fruit to be produced. 
Amen. And so, when we talk about giving, what we don't want to do is we don't want to hear all of these accusations about, well, you know, you're just greedy, you're just that. But the same people that say that drive new cars. Same people that say that have vacation homes. Same people that say that have retirement. Same people that say that uh, have benefits, insurances. Same people that say that live in nice houses, wear nice clothes. So they really don't believe that poverty is the will of God. They just don't want you to keep too much of your money to keep them out of what they need. Yeah, hallelujah. It amazes me when the pastor preaches that everybody uh, should, you know, give their best, but then he condemns them for getting raises. No, we're happy when people get raises. Amen? All righty. Mark the 10th chapter in verse 17. And it says, And when he was gone forth into the way, there came one running and kneeled to him, and he asked him, Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? Now notice the purpose of his pursuing Jesus. It was not money. It was not wealth. It was eternal life. Now, is any of this man's life void of true God-given direction? Well, no. He wants eternal life. Right in line with why God sent his only begotten son. Amen. And then it says this. And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, and that is God. Thou knowest the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not kill. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Defraud not. Honor thy father and thy mother. And he answered and said unto him, Master, all of these have I observed from my youth. Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him and said unto him, One thing thou lackest, go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, and give to the poor. And thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and take up the cross and follow me. Now, Jesus reveals to us that the poor are going to be with us wherever we are, and one of the purposes of having abundance is to provide to the poor. Not to the lazy, but to the poor. Not to those that, you know, refuse to work, but to the poor. And we are to help them. We are to help them get educated. We are to help them to get starts. We are to help them to learn and to know, to get skills and so forth. That can promote them in life that expresses Christ. That's what we're supposed to do. But we are not supposed to condone worklessness. If you don't work, you don't eat. And we are not to 
uh, support laziness. Because no matter how much you give a lazy person, laziness will tend to poverty. It just turns to dirt, no matter how much wealth they have. And the man that constantly is doing nothing, sleeping, slumbering, then he is going to miss out on prosperity. And so Jesus tells him, says, look, what you want to do is you want to give to the poor. Now, what does giving to the poor does? It lays up treasures in heaven. In other words, it locates you why you use money that way. You do it because you're ruled by our heavenly Father. And then it says this, and come and take up your cross and follow me. So wealth does not do away with you doing God's purpose. Wealth still comes with a mandate to take up the cross of Christ. And no matter how rich you are, doesn't matter how well off you are, doesn't matter if you're the president of Hugugun, whatever it might be, you are still called to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Amen? All right. And he was sad at that saying, and he went away grieved, for he had great possessions. Now, who would have made this man rich? Right. Who was the author of Abraham's wealth? God. So we understand that this man probably got this because he honored or obeyed the commandments of God as well as the commandments of honor and authority in the household. He honored his mother and his father. He said, all these things I have kept. And the Bible said, if you do these things, that the blessings of God will overtake you. So this man had been overtaken with the wealth of God. But in every true man's heart that desires God, wealth is not the end of anything. Amen. Only doing what God wants us to do is. This man was still just as empty as the poorest man on the earth because he had not experienced Christ. And he said, was sat at that saying and went away, grieved, oppressed, depressed, that he had great possessions. And Jesus looked round about and saideth unto his disciples, How hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? Now somebody have said that it should say those that are those that riches have. But I think that it means just what it means. Those that have riches. You can gain riches, but any time that riches begin to rule you, it's time to lose the riches. Amen. And so, here it says, And the disciples were astonished. At his words, Jesus answered again and said unto them, Children, how hard is it for them that trust, trust in riches? to enter into the kingdom of God. Your trust must not be in riches. If we put our trust in riches, we will pierce ourselves, 1 Timothy 6, through with many sorrows. We should never trust in anything that is earthly, but we should trust in a heavenly provider. And then it says it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle 
than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. I've heard this so distorted, like, well, there's a, a gate that a camel has to get down and squeeze through in the wall of the city of Jerusalem. That's not what Jesus said. He didn't say there's a hole in the wall like a needle. He said just what he meant. If you can't get a camel through the eye of a needle, then a rich man that puts his trust in that wealth will never enter the kingdom of God. Number one, he won't minister to the poor. Number two, he'll never take up his cross. And then it says in, in verse uh, 26, and they were all astonished out of measure, saying among themselves, who then can be saved? See, they connected wealth with righteousness, purity, and favor with God. That's why they said, if a rich man can't get in, who then can get in? They knew God's response to a rich man's life. They knew God's response to obedient man's life, to a righteous man's life, to a pure man's life. And so when they did that, these blessings came upon them. They overtook him. And they wanted to know how could anybody, if a rich man can't make it, who can make it? See, they foresaw that prosperity and wealth were a result of wholehearted service to God. And then he says... <clears throat> And Jesus says, with men it is impossible, but not with God, for with God all things are possible. Then Peter began to say unto him, Lo, we have left all and followed thee. And Jesus answered and said unto him, watch what he said, Verily I say unto you, there is no man that hath left houses, brethren, or sisters, or fathers, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands for my sake and the gospels, but that he shall receive an hundredfold in heaven. A hundredfold now in this time. Houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, lands, with persecution, and in the world to come eternal life. But many that are first shall be last, and the last first. What did Jesus tell Peter? If you leave it for my sake, not just at your whim, not just that, well, I'm going to try it. If Jesus speaks to you, then you need to obey. Amen? And nobody can tell you if you're hearing from God or not. They may try to tell you, think about what you're going to do. You know, give it time, pray about it, let's fast about it, let's really seek the counsel of God. But if God speaks to you, then you have to obey God. All things have come from God, and so we are subject to his authority and rulership. Amen? Now, where did Peter say did Jesus say that Peter would receive a hundredfold? Where? On earth. On earth, not in heaven. 
on earth. When you get to heaven, you won't need money. Amen? All credit cards are going to melt down at the judgment seat of Christ. <laughs> they aren't going to get up there anyway. But we understand that in this earth, in this time, it is possible to receive a hundredfold. And what was the premise of receiving a hundredfold? Giving. Right? Giving. Giving, not withholding, giving. So when people say, well, you know, you just believe in that. Sow and uh, reap and give and grab. No, I believe what God believes. And God said that there was a way that if you gave for the kingdom's sake, or if you give that the purpose of the kingdom may be expanded, you can receive a hundredfold. You say, oh man, I'm, I'm just going to do that and it's just going to happen. With money doesn't come without taxes and it doesn't come without persecution. Now you can get persecuted by those around you, men that hate you. You can get persecuted by the devil. In other words, the wealth of this world is guaranteed to be protected by spiritual adversities for those that will seek to step into it. So you got to realize that persecution will come. So if you're just going to say, hey, I'm going to give and I'm going to celebrate. No, you're going to give and you're going to stand and you're going to fight. And most people don't persevere in persecution, so faith is short-lived. Remember, that when a man is offended, he forsakes his faith or he is offended and he stumbles at the seed. So when we start sowing seeds, offense starts coming. And guess what? We forsake that faith because it's the point of pressure. Amen? All right. Now, let's go to Philippians 4.19. Philippians 4.19. And before we go there, let, uh, keep, if you're there, keep your finger there. But uh, go to 1 Timothy, uh, 1 Timothy, the 6th chapter, and verse 17. 1 Timothy, First Timothy 6.17. This is the reason that we give right here. 1 Timothy, yep, there you are, 6, 17. I'm telling you, i got too many pages here. 1 Timothy 5, 20. Oh, there it is. Uh, 1 Timothy 6, 17 says this. Charge them, give them a command, that are rich in this world. So you can be rich in this world and be a Christian or you would have no commandments. Charge them that be, they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches. The very thing Jesus said that would steal a man's eternity. That they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. 
and that they do it do good that they may be rich in good works ready to distribute willing to communicate laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come that they may lay hold of eternal life remember the rich man wanted eternal life Jesus told him how to have it here our giving again our money that is transferred into good works have you ever been through an airport gone to another country they have you know money exchange well that's what this is you take earthly money that has been given to you by skill or through seed faith or by the blessing of God and you take it and you transfer it or exchange it into good works and that's what God is after are the good works of the wealthy and then it says they that do good that they be rich in good works ready to distribute another thing we must do and willing to communicate or become involved in purposes of the kingdom and therefore we see that that's the purpose of wealth is that we transfer it into good what works come on good what works amen and now the second place that we find out why wealth is necessary so every time that a good work doesn't get done is because somebody that has the wealth to do it does not comply now 2nd Corinthians 9 10 which we've read many times uh, oh I'm sorry 2nd Corinthians 9 10 fellas thank you says this now he that ministers seed to the sower talking about God both ministers bread for your food multiplies your seed sown increases the fruits of your righteousness you being enriched in everything to all bountifulness which causes thanksgiving unto God so now we are to be bountiful in our distribution for the administration or the act of giving is not only supplies the want of saints another command we are to supply the wants of the saints but is abundant also by many thanksgivings unto God now while this experiment or this activity of giving of this ministry they glorify God for your professed subjection to the gospel of Christ you know wealth is one of the things that declares the obedience of an individual and then it says this for your liberal liberal distribution unto them and unto all men for by their prayer for you which long after you for the exceeding grace of God in you thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift so now we see there's a handful of reasons why wealth is necessary in believers lives amen absolutely now let's go to Philippians 4 10 but I rejoice in the Lord greatly that at now at last your care realize that love is always the motive 
of sowing. I don't know about you. I don't want to see people poor. The only way that I'm going to overcome their poverty or be a participant of their escaping poverty is to have enough to get them out of it. And it says this, uh, care hath flourished for me again. And so giving and distribution and helping the poor is not a one-time thing. It is an ongoing thing. It says, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want. Greed has nothing to do with desiring to be active financially the ways that God asks us to do. Greed has nothing to do with being able to have enough wealth to help the poor. But you may not have enough wealth if you don't sow seeds and just depend on your own strength to get it. Amen? And so, in order to do good works, there's nothing greedy about doing good works. What, what is greedy about having enough finances to do good works? And then it says this, for I have learned that whatsoever state I am in therewith to be content. In other words, just settle down and know it is passing, it is a season, and it too will change. I know how to be, how to be a base. I know how to abound everywhere that in all things I am instructed to be full, to be hungry, and to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me, notwithstanding that you have done well. Somebody say, giving is well. Amen. That you did communicate with my affliction. It says, now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, that no church, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving but only you. Notice that there was a sect of people that rose up that decided to live in the wisdom of God. And they wanted to give and they wanted to what? Receive. Was that greed? No. Absolutely. It has nothing to do with greed. You know, I, I just, I don't understand. I, I don't know. I, I just don't understand greed. For every, for even in Thessalonica, ye sent once and again unto my necessity. Not because I desire a gift. It's not that we want anything. But notice what Paul says. But I desire fruit that may abound under your account. What was Paul after? Not only was it after an increase from their seed, but good works to their name, to the ministry of the poor to the communication of the teachers and the men that were spreading the gospel, that they would be involved in kingdom purposes, and therefore he wanted them to become active givers so they could be active receivers. But I have all and abound all. I am full, having received of Ephroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor and a sweet-smelling a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing unto God. 
That's what good works. That's what abundance does. That's what distributing to the saints, meeting their needs, ministering to the poor, helping distribution of kingdom purposes. That's what pleases God. And it says, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now, does God supply everybody's needs? Only those that give and expect to receive. I've heard people say, well, I'm giving. I don't want anything in return. I think, well, give me that. Let me sow it for you. See, you want to do nothing. We're not called to do nothing. We're called to be aggressive activists for the kingdom of God. Wouldn't it be a wonderful thing that every hospital in America could be like St. Jude's, not charge one bill, never said, never send a bill to a family, give them places to stay, provide cures for the incurable, to provide hope for the hopeless. How about having a place where poor could come and they could get help, they could get instruction they could get a new start they could get a new value system they could learn a skill they could put their hand to something how about getting people that are broken discouraged and downtrod so disappointed because they can't get their head above water how about having enough to refloat them to the point that they could have dignity and walk and be a value that's what wealth is for and to condemn God's way of receiving wealth is to condemn God's purpose for wealth and is to condemn his care for the things that he said money could do. Now, I want money, and I want enough of it that I never have to worry about turning anybody away. I, I just don't want to turn anybody away. I want to be able to help them, minister to them, care for them. I just want to be able to tell people that God cares for them. It is the goodness of God that leads people to repentance. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. I've thought so many times I'd like to walk into a store and say, hey, for the next 25 minutes, get whatever you want. I'm paying for it. Why, who could do that? A rich man. Well, well I, I, I could never. Why not? Why? Why not? We could. Amen? We can make sure that no mother gets in a broken down van, a broken down car, or truck and hauls her children to church and back. We can help children obtain educations, get college degrees, get skills. We can put their hands to things, put them through trade schools, and help them get a start. We could do all of that if we had money. And we could use it as means of preaching the gospel to everybody that we came in contact with. Amen? Absolutely. So let's start giving and receiving. I think we have downplayed 
and really live far beyond where God wants us to live in blessing. I believe that. I don't believe that I am even near where God wants me to be. In doing for people, doing good works, for loving people, caring for people, I don't think so. I think God wants me to go further, do more, and be empowered more, and be a greater witness. I believe that. I want people to see the goodness of God. The goodness of God. Father, tonight, let us make a decision, God, that we are going to be givers and receivers. God, we are going to give. It is what we have been created to do. God, to be obedient, to walk in holiness, to walk in purity, to walk in faith, walk in obedience, that God, the blessing of God will come upon us. And God, all those things that the devil tried to get us not to do is simply so he can hinder what you desire to do. Now, God, they promise freedom, but God, they'll keep us out of your blessing. Now, God, just encourage, stir us that God giving, giving our way out of poverty, giving our way out of need, giving our way out, God, of limitation. God is your plan. God give and it shall be given. God press down, shaken together, running over. Men and women will give it into our bosom. God, we live by your wisdom, by your counsel. And God, we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, we are givers, but we are receivers. In Jesus' name, God, we choose today to prove you that you are the God that watches over his word. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Sunday morning. Hallelujah, reminder of... Hi, live streamers. Thank you so much for joining us. We Hallelujah. want you to know that we love you guys and are so happy to have you with us. Stay connected with us here on social media and remember to share when you're joining us live to spread hope to others. We will see you here next time.